Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the Build Your Success Podcast. Here at the Build Your Success Podcast, we like to build you so you can build others. We do that through our corporate training events, our workshops, and our speaking events, but we also do that through this podcast and the special guests and leaders that we bring to the podcast. I'm grateful today to have Evan Sohn on the podcast. Evan is the chairman and CEO of Recruiter.com. Recruiter.com is an on-demand recruiting platform that combines AI and video job matching technology with the world's largest network of small and independent recruiters. Welcome to the podcast day, Evan. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Brian, on your show. It is great to have you here today. Tell us where you're joining us from. I am in North New Jersey uh, on the border of a town called Englewood and Tenafly. So about 15 minutes outside of Manhattan. That is wonderful. And it's it's great to have you as a guest today. And, and you know, this recruiting thing, we're going to talk about the great resignation. But before we get to that, I want to ask you our signature question here. What does leadership and being a leader mean to Evan Sohn? Uh So you, you caught me on a good week. So um, I've been uh, I, I've been reading about leadership books probably my whole my whole career. Um, they, they've always been my I, my my quasi mentors have been the books that I've read. Uh, a big fan of extreme ownership. So we'll talk about being a leader. Uh, really is about taking extreme ownership of situations. Uh, just because a situation is difficult doesn't mean you don't address it, uh, but also empowering others uh, to take ownership as well. Ownership is not about micromanaging. It's about setting a vision, setting a mission, uh, making sure you're communicating that mission throughout your organization, throughout your teams, and empowering others uh, to really uh, to really succeed in their missions as well. I like that. I'm a fan of the extreme ownership as well. I hear a lot about that in the leadership circles, but I also like the piece about the accountability and, and you know, helping others, you know, through their leadership journey. So that, that is wonderful. And I just, it, it just is when you can empower others, that is such a way to grow your network and grow your own leadership by, by helping others become leaders. Yeah, I have a, you know, I have a number of rules that I live by. And uh, one of them is success is not measured just by the success you create for yourself, but by the success you create for others. That so is there, phenomenal. There and, and yeah, so helping others is just, it's so rewarding and so fulfilling for your own stuff. It's just, just a way that you're giving and, and getting back from giving is just a phenomenal. So that's, that's awesome. So you are involved with recruiter.com. Tell us a little bit about that first so we can set the foundation for this talk about the great resignation. So what is recruiter.com and what do you do there? Uh, so recruiter.com, as you said in the, in the uh, introduction is the largest platform. We're a technology platform uh, combining on-demand software and on-demand services. Let's break that down just for a second. Uh, you've heard of like uh, Fiverr, Upwork, all these gig platforms doing uh, awesome work on demand. Uh, that's what we do, specializing in recruiting and talent acquisition. So we have thousands and thousands of recruiters on our platform, and we place them uh, for our clients uh, really around the world to help our clients, both large and small, uh, recruit talent faster. 
um, there is a shortage of recruiters or there's a high demand for recruiters. Uh, and and uh, also talent acquisition uh, uh, really could be viewed as something that's really done on an on-demand basis. Uh, and that's what we're doing for our clients. Uh, at the same time, finding candidates is hard. Uh, it's not as easy as it used to be. You need more tools, you need proactive tools. And we have a phenomenal technology uh, stack, uh, our artificial intelligence backed AI platform uh, with access to over 160 million profiles. Uh, so we use our tools to find and engage uh, candidates. And then we use our recruiters to uh, uh, working on behalf of our clients to screen them, uh, full stack uh, recruiting, et cetera, on behalf of our clients. And at the end of the day here, making placements for our clients. Um, so we've been around for, uh, uh, the, the, the URL has been around for a while. The company was a media company really until uh, about three years ago um, and uh, really saw the opportunity to really capitalize on all of these recruiters and really turn it more transactional. Uh, and then really at the height of the pandemic, I was uh, the chairman of the company and at the height of the pandemic, really sat down with the, the, the founders of the company and the board of, uh, and, and really recognized that when this pandemic is over, um, the job market's gonna be an absolute disarray and someone's gonna be the beneficiary of those things. So if the shutdown of the economy benefited folks like DoorDash and Peloton, uh, and Netflix, uh, the reopening of the economy, getting people back to work, uh, who better than a company called Recruiter.com to really benefit from that trend? Little did I know back then uh, just in how much of a disarray things were really going to be in, uh, really to the benefit uh, of Recruiter.com. And I became CEO of the company uh, in June of 2020. So this opportunity, and in his application, he said, the great resignation, why workers are leaving in mass despite high unemployment, and changes employers can make to come out on top. So why are we in this great resignation? What's your, what's your idea of how we got here? Yeah, so, um, you know, the let's go under the, 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 the pretense that COVID has changed everything, but most of what it's changed were things that were happening anyway. Uh, you know, an hour ago, we were talking about the efficacy of working from home, right? Really, like before the pandemic, oh, should we allow people to work remotely one day a week, et cetera? That's not even a conversation anymore, right? These are some things that COVID just expedited uh, in a, and that's not just COVID. Every time you've had any sort of macroeconomic event, uh, we have shifted the economy. Things have changed and have never gone back before. Uh, just quick example, Y2K was coming. And uh, everyone in 1997 started to outsource development in order to prepare for Y2K. And guess what? Y2K was over and we didn't bring back all that software. We still have all these, you know, giant, huge IT software companies that were outsourcing things to. Not everything, but that whole IT outsourcing world really took off because of Y2K. And there have been other similar uh, macroeconomic events or macro events that have really caused these shifts to happen. So there are really three big trends uh, that are happening today. Uh, so the first, even pre the great resignation, really is this mass unemployment, right? So you have 9 million people unemployed, 10 million open jobs, you can't find workers, every restaurant has a, has a help wanted sign, you know, you're hearing these things left and right. So that's one crazy phenomena that we're dealing with today. The second uh, and you just called it before, was the great resignation. And, and so what most people don't realize is that there is a churn, a voluntary churn in the United States of around 20% annually. Uh, and that ranges from 
financial services where it's around 15%, uh, retail is much, much higher. And what that means is that if there are 150 million people working in the United States and 20% of them churn on an annual basis, they churn, they voluntarily leave their job to go to another job or something like that. So that's 30 million people already moving in that space, right? You could sort of divide those numbers up there and it's between like 22, 25%, depending how you look at it. So the great resignation really was people who stayed put during COVID who said, gee, now that this is over, I do not want, I want to leave that job. Now there are a variety of reasons why I, I could, because I wanted to leave a year ago. I just decided not to, um, Hey, I like working from home and my company wants me to come into the office. Uh, I moved to Florida. I used to be in New York and now the company wants me in the office once a week and I can't cause I live in Florida or Hey, as part of this tight job market, I am now more valuable than I were, than I was a year ago. Uh, I said this, uh, you know, on another, I was interviewed by another, another, uh, an, an, another broadcast. And I said, you know, not too long ago, every candidate in the U.S. is more valuable today than they were, let's say that, you know, a year and a half ago. Everyone from the waiter to the person willing to walk into a factory, you know, to the Java developer, everybody is now more valuable. Um, and so these are all these things sort of combining together. The third, uh, the third trend that we're seeing is what I call the job hopper economy. So you start to see this in Silicon Valley, right? You look at Silicon Valley, and if you see a software engineer who's been at the same company for five years, either the company's about to IPO, uh, he's a co-founder, or he's not a good software engineer. And again, I'm generalizing, but just to prove a point, you know, it was common to see out in Silicon Valley uh, a resume of someone who for 12 years had worked at four companies and those the three or three or four companies, and we would call that a job hopper. Right. We would call someone who had worked at three or four companies uh, a job hopper. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. About a month ago, Kevin O'Leary uh, put out an article that said, begging employees, hey, please stay at your company for at least 24 months. And this was a response to a, a survey that came out that 60% of all millennials had no problem leaving their job within six months. Crazy, right? So this notion of your parent or grandparent telling you, look, you got to stay at your first job for four to five years, you know, all those things. That's gone. So there's no stigma anymore, Brian, of leaving, right? So if there's no stigma of leaving anymore and I could leave, right? It's easy to leave. And by the way, now let's look at what an interview looks like. Pre-COVID, what did an interview look like? An interview looked like, and again, I'm going to generalize, you came to the office and you brought in a suit, right? Uh, and you said, look, it's my uncle's sister's uh, funeral and I had to bring a suit in, right? Your manager goes, why, why are we in a suit, Brian? And you got to take the afternoon off. You come into the office the next day and you're getting phone calls from the headhunter and your manager's like, Brian, is everything okay? Oh yeah, it's my mother. She's really upset about my uncle's funeral. You know, my uncle's sister's funeral. You know, you, you got that story. It's continuing to go. In fact, the expression finding a job is a full-time job does not take place today in 2021, 
right? Finding a job as a full-time job is something that was an expression that was said years ago, right? Because finding a job was complicated. Well, let me ask you a question, Brian. What's interviewing today? What is interviewing today? It's a Zoom screen, right? It's a video interview. So who doesn't have 15 minutes today to interview? Everyone has 15 minutes to interview. We're not commuting anymore. We're working from home. We're hybriding. Whatever that is, we all have that available time. So if I could interview anytime I want, and, I, and there's and there's no stigma in leaving my job, and I could work from anywhere, and I could hire from anywhere, these are all the things that are just propelling this job hopper economy, the great resignation, all these things all happening at the same time. And the end result of these three macro trends is it's just created a tremendous, tremendous demand like we've never seen before for actually recruiters, right? The the uh, Wall Street Journal came out with an article this past week, the hardest job to recruit for is now recruiters. And lucky for us, we are recruiter.com. So we happen to be in a, the right place at the right time. Yeah, the irony of that is just, just awesome. And it's just great to know, hey, the, you got to make the opportunity of what's going on in, in your environment. And, you know, when I hear you talk about what's caused this great resignation, and, and I heard technology, you know, several times, the, the things that are have enabled people to to do this. And, and it's interesting to me that the, the pandemic and the and the work from home and has made more people embrace technology than ever before, that some of this we've had for over a decade, you know, you could have done Zoom or Skype or any of these other oh, yeah. things for, for a decade. But now that people have gotten familiar with it and been forced to use it, it it's become uh, something more people are familiar with. And now you can have a 15 minute interview at your leisure. Yeah. So uh, let's break that down into two things. One, um, let's let's never forget that recruiting always ends up in a human conversation. I don't care what AI you got, what bots you have, or anything else. No one is walking into your company without actually speaking to somebody. And I don't care whether you're the dishwasher or the CEO, you're going to speak to somebody before you actually take that job. The question is, at what point in that process are you actually speaking to somebody? And so what we want to do and what we firmly believe is that recruiting is a human element, right? We, we are about being human. We, there is a human element to recruiting. And what we prefer uh, the model to be is as opposed to spending 80% of your, try, your time finding and engaging the candidate and 20% speaking to them, flipping that around, right? Spending 20% of your time sourcing and sourcing candidates and then spending 80% 80, 80 of your time in meaningful conversations to help make sure there's a match between the employer uh, and the employee. So that, that's really, uh, you know, that, and it's really important to make sure that we, we, that that's really rec what recruiting is. Recruiting is this fundamental connection between an employer and a candidate, ensuring alignment between the two of them. Um, and then on the technology side, I, I agree. You know, I've been using Zoom for just about a decade, probably, uh, you know, so, or whenever that got started, I was out in Silicon Valley for a couple of years and we were, we were Zooming then. I was able to Zoom on an airplane. They don't even know how to turn that stuff off. You're probably talking about like, you know, uh, uh, 2015, 16, something like that. So uh, yeah, the technology was there and it just it enabled people to really benefit from it more. I, I think the fundamental difference was something like Zoom and video conferencing is that I think that pre-COVID, it was an it was a uh, it was a step up from a, call, a a telephone call, right? You know, hey, should we jump on a call? We should do a video call. You know, I'm old enough to remember video phones when people were trying to do video phones, and so Zoom really was a step up from a phone call. Oh, should I make a conference call? 
No, let's actually, you know, do it on Zoom. And that now it's really become a step down from a face-to-face meeting, right? Am I meeting with Brian right now? Well, this is the close I'm going to get to meeting with Brian. But what it's done is it's actually enabled these things to happen far, far, far more frequently, right? Pre-COVID and pre-Zoom, I would just be talking to Brian on the phone and maybe we would get together and maybe we'd never actually meet. And now we've met. Now it's not face-to-face, but Brian and I, you know, we've met now, just not face-to-face. So I I view it, I view it as a step down from an in-person conference. And I know there's nothing, nothing replaces an in-person conference. Nothing does. Nothing replaces an in-person meeting, but, uh, uh, this is actually giving us, you know, making things a little bit more convenient as possible. Uh, you know, there was a great, uh, there was an interview on CNBC probably about two years ago. Uh, they were talking t- about uh, text messaging and communication, et cetera. And they had this executive producer, Hollywood executive producer, you know, talking. And he said, look, Tom Cruise does not sign a $30 million movie deal through text, right? Tom Cruise does not send with an email. Sure. No problem. Tom Cruise, when he does a $30 million movie deal, sits down with the folks in the room, they sit at a table, they shake hands, they look at each other and they get a deal done. So, you know, this communication, uh, you know, we, we, we need to improve on that, uh, certainly in this post pandemic fashion of, you know, what really is face-to-face communication. Yeah. And it has enabled me when I began this podcast, I did it through conference call. And so it was just an audio only podcast. And then when I got more familiar with Zoom during the pandemic and, and now I use StreamYard, but it, it helped to, to get familiar with the video and say, okay, well, now I can use this and create a video as well as an audio. And, and the conversation is more engaging when I can see your face and, and see your reaction. Sure. So it's sure, just, I'll, give you, I'll give you another anecdote. Um, so I'm, I'm on CNBC in a couple hours uh, talking about the job market. I'm now on, I've been on like once a month for the last bunch of months, uh, last uh, year and a half. And um, I used to, I've been on before and I would go to their studio, right? You go to their studio, you go to makeup room, you sit in the green room, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole process. And the first time I was on, which was, I think, June of 2020, first time I was on uh, in this role, you know, I'm like, are you sending a crew over? Like how are we going to do this? No, you'll get a phone call. And I got a phone call from a tech guy. Uh, who said, all right, uh, you you got Skype? I said, yeah, okay, go to Skype, turn it on, great. Uh, do you have any books? I'm like, yeah. All right, put your books under your computer, move the screen. All right, a little forward, a little background. Okay, we're good. And I was I was just shocked that like that, What you know, this went from, gee, show up to the studio, hair, makeup, you know, green room camera, backup, microphones, et cetera, relying on Skype to actually handle this live broadcast. And the reality is that good enough was enough, you know, to handle this process. So I found it to be uh, really fascinating as companies, uh, large and small, really capitalized on, on technology. Yeah, and for me, it has enabled me in the podcast to have guests on from around the world. And so it's been, uh, it op- has opened some opportunities uh, when we're able to use this these features and the technology. I do wanna ask you, you know, this is a leadership podcast. You are the CEO of Recruiter.com. I asked you earlier, what does leadership mean to you? Let me flip that for you and ask you, when you're looking for leaders in your organization and when you're working with other organizations, what are they looking for in leaders? Um, so I come from a sales background. So I'll, I'll, I spent many, many years on the sales side of the world. So I often look at things from a sales side. You know, you want to be 
the problems. You want to be able to solve problems, right? You want to be someone that, that your, uh, your subordinate, your team member, your boss, whatever it is, your client can call you up because they have a problem. Um, I, I talk about all the time. You want to be a client's first phone call, but you want to be everyone's first phone call. Now you actually want them not to rely on you to solve their problems, except when you know you're uniquely qualified to solve those problems. So, you know, I, I really define folks, uh, many of them, like, can they solve their own problem or do they know how to run with a problem once they solve it or do they not know how to do those things? So really looking at, um, you know, from a problem solving perspective, and that's usually where, where my bent is. And, and again, I come not just from a sales perspective, but really from a startup perspective. Startups, you know, are marred with constant challenges and constant problems. And you really go from like one problem to another problem. You're in this never ending challenge of solving the next problem. Um, I, I listened to a podcast the other day and they said, it's like the, the curse of the entrepreneur is that you're constantly striving to solve the next problem. And you're constantly feeling like, gee, if it only got a little bit better, it'd be a little bit easier. Um, and so I like to surround myself with folks who uh, could really uh, solve their own problems and really in the field, course correct in the field, uh, come up with alternatives and not be afraid to say, hey, Evan, uh, I'm, I'm faced with this wall. The, you know, I can either go A, B, or C. I think it's B. What do you think? And the answer might be, you're right, it's B, or guess what? It's probably D, and let's go do that together. Uh, but it's really the ability to, I would say, identify that there's a problem, understand how to understand the alternatives to solving the problem and being able to execute on that problem. And I think that's what I hope people look for in myself, the ability to understand that there's a problem. By the way, sometimes not knowing that, not understanding that there's a problem is a problem. So you want to make sure you could do that and then have the uh, the skills along the way to really figure out al along the way there on how to do those things. And I, I think those are, are not nature. I think those are nurture. I think you can actually train people on how to identify that there's a problem, uh, identify as, as I said at the beginning, you know, just because a problem is difficult doesn't mean you don't solve it. Right. So when you see a problem, solve it. And just because it's hard uh, doesn't mean you stay away from it. You know, you don't kick the can down the field for the next person. You try to get, try to make the world better for the next person. Yeah, that's great. I think being a problem solver is definitely a leader characteristic. We've got to be careful. We don't start creating problems to solve us. I've seen that happen in the past, but, but let me ask you this. One thing that I foresee that with the, a lot of work moving virtual and people working from home and doing those things, what are leadership skills and techniques for managing virtually? So, so you got these teams that are remote, they're not coming to an office. How can we lead them virtually? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge that I struggle with, or it's a struggle that I, I'm challenged with um, every day. I, I'm a face-to-face -face person. I'm a historically a let's all go into a conference room, lock the door, ordering some pizza and, and, and not leave until we solve the problem. Um, I think that's hard. I think you're missing some of these things out. I think the challenge is you got to make sure that you are measuring the right things for people. You know, in the old days, I don't know what old means anymore. You know, it was, oh, good. They're working late today. Right. D do you care how late a person works anymore? Does it really make a difference? You know, in the I remember my first company, I would schedule the fax machine to send out memos, you know, like at 11 o'clock at night uh, to my clients. So my clients would think I was working late at night. Now, when someone emails you at 11 o'clock at night, 
you assume, gee, they must have taken off for dinner and some other things, and they're finally getting back online. You know, you don't think for a moment that someone's been working all day through 11 o'clock at night, I guess, unless you're an investment banker. But, you know, so I, I think there's certain challenges of how do you create uh, collaboration. I think that's the biggest issue. And uh, I, I think as a in a, this virtual world, you have to really uh, decide what you're optimizing for. Are you, are you optimizing for hiring junior people and bringing them up to speed or you're hiring people that are, you know, you're not doing any on the job training. You're just making sure that people know how to solve their own problems and, and getting a higher degree of person. And I kudos goes out to companies like bank of New York who said, you know, thou shalt come into the office and they're forcing everyone in the office. Cause they're saying, Hey, look, we, we want to make sure that we could train the next generation of bankers. And that needs to be done in person um, as opposed to, uh, uh, as opposed to Spotify that said, Hey, go remote. We don't really care. Go remote. Right. Are, is that a bad thing? No, they're just optimizing for the next few years as opposed to 20 years out, et cetera. So I, I think as a leader, you got to really figure out how you're going to train the new people, how you're going to create collaboration, how you're going to do those things. Uh, good news is that we're not the only ones suffering from that problem. There are other people who are working on that. Uh, there are platforms that help you do collaboration. Uh, not just things like Zoom, but they're, you know, culture building uh, platforms. Uh, we have a culture committee. Uh, we do things. We have, you know, we have values that we share with everybody. We have weekly all hands. We have uh, once a month state of the unions. You know, we're doing things that really uh, try to, to do that. But again, there's, there, there's no, there's, it's not the same as being in person. The, the one thing I will say is that working virtually, it used to be that 90% of the office was in the office and 10% were out in the field or 80, 20, whatever that number is. Now, gee, 100% of the people are out in the field, right? So, you know, you, ha you had the same challenge two years ago. How do you keep your guys that were out in the field feeling connected to the company when everyone is having their big birthday cake, you know, and you're out in Wisconsin, not, assuming the office is not in Wisconsin, you know, so uh, out there, how do you keep everyone connected? So I, I think it's always been a challenge. Just now it's becoming far more pervasive. That is phenomenal. And it, just all those ideas to keep people engaged is going to be the the 100% most important thing is, is engaging human beings. And, and I think what you alluded to, some need to be in the office for certain roles and responsibilities and others can be work virtually and you got to find out what the balance is for your situation and your organization. Well, Evan, it was great to have you on the podcast today. I'm going to pull up your website for those watching this on YouTube. It's recruiter.com and, and tell the audience what they can find at recruiter.com. We've already kind of set the basis for that, but, but what, what am, if I go to recruiter.com, what am I doing? Yeah, so uh, we are the uh, the destination site for all things recruiting. So whether you're looking for full-time recruiters, part-time recruiters, gig recruiters, you are a recruiter, and so you're signing up to gain access to these opportunities, educational programs, or you're looking for candidates, we have software. It's really a, a, a pretty robust platform. Uh, we get uh, lots and lots of traffic, uh, et cetera. I'll, I'll tell you one final comment, because I know we're about building others. Um, Ensuring that everyone understands the mission, uh, I think today is far, far more important than it ever was before. Uh, you're out in the field, you're out, out there, right? We're not sitting in the office where everyone is, you know, watching each other and making sure that everyone understands what their what the mission is. What's the mission of the day, the the week, the month, the year? What 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 do I need? What is the challenge that I need to overcome? 
um, as part of the overall company. And the leader's job really is to ensure and take responsibility and accountability that if someone is not uh, if someone is not achieving that mission, did you, you know, is it my, it's my responsibility to make sure that there's clarity in what they're supposed to do. And it was, sometimes it was easier when things were in person to be clear on what needs to happen. I could watch you again, just to, to exaggerate, to prove a point, you know, if this was an assembly line, I was watching you build a puzzle or do steps one and two, I can come and go, Oh no, you're doing that wrong. How do I do that from here? Right. How do I do that? Uh, I can't say to you now, by the way, sit up straight because when I walk in your office, you should be sitting up straight. So I don't I don't know that because we're doing Zoom. So it's so important now, probably more than ever, to have really strong clarity on what you're trying to accomplish as a company and ensure it cascades across the entire organization. That's great. So have a mission, have clarity and accountability is the three things I would summarize that with. That's right. For the listeners, I appreciate you listening to the podcast today. Do me a favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, go over to that platform, give us an honest review and rating, subscribe and share this podcast with others. Go to our website, check out our events page, buildcs.net. We're also doing the Voices for Leadership book. You can check that out at voicesforleadership.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.